Hello, Beyond the Mass listeners. Jeremy here. The ANA Foundation is planning another great fundraising event, and you won't even have to leave the comfort of your home to attend. Treasure Island, a virtual event for CRNAs and SRNAs, will be an online event featuring live and pre-recorded fun, information, recognition, and education presented by and for CRNAs and SRNAs. We set sail to Treasure Island on Sunday, August the 16th, and content will be available throughout August and September. Tickets are $100 for CRNAs and $25 for SRNAs. You can purchase your tickets today at www.aanafoundation.com and designate Treasure Island Ticket. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. The history of the nurse anesthesia profession suggests that regardless of the challenge or crisis facing it, the right person at the right time with the right message was chosen by the membership to lead. This segment of our podcast is entitled The Courage to Lead. We are pleased to highlight some of these contemporary visionary leaders. We want to express gratitude to all and give encouragement to those that will accept the challenge in the future. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. My co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, past president of the AANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles in the association. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs. We recently went on a podcast recording blitz at the ANA meeting in Chicago. We conducted lots of interviews with some of the industry's most interesting people. Well, Sharon, one more time here. In the Windy City. In the Windy City at ANA Annual Congress and part of the Presidential Leadership Series that this was your brainstorm. Well, you know, I think it, it's nice for our listeners to hear from our past leaders, to hear things that happened during their year, and to know that they have paid it forward, and the profession would look a whole lot different if these people would not have sat in the presidential seat. I agree. I mean, I've learned a whole lot already from doing this, and the amount of sacrifice and the amount of love for this organization and what you all do just comes through. And, and also with us this morning is Dennis Bless, and thank you for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, Dennis, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your background, and what you're doing now. So I am from Minnesota. I grew up in Iowa on a farm. I came to anesthesia through a little bit of a circuitous route. Um, out of high school, I got an ag business degree, worked as an ag banker in Iowa during the farm crisis of the early 1980s. 
Um, that must have been really fun. Oh, yes. See, the numbers guy. Uh, you see me a, light up when he said yeah, that. Yeah. Dennis is a numbers guy, too. I like so that, yeah. you guys will like bond immediately. Right. So, you know, I was 22 years old, my first job, and was dealing with farmers who couldn't cash flow their business, put them out of business. Uh, farmers were being shot, um, literally. One in southern Minnesota, one in Iowa. So it was it was extremely stressful, um, yeah. and I thought, well, what am I going to do? So you went to <laughs> anesthesia, <laughs> and the guy, one guy who I was working with, told me his goal was to make forty thousand dollars by the time he was forty, and I'm twenty two, and I'm thinking, mm, <laughs> not me. So yeah. then I changed it up, decided to go to the seminary. So I did that. <laughs> wow. That lasted for one quarter. <laughs> and then my sister actually said to me, you know, um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are nurse anesthetists, and they seem to like what they do. So I decided to look into that. Went to nursing school at the University of Minnesota. Met Brian Thorson, who is a CRNA, past ANA president. We became, you know, a couple. And... After that, it was like, this is what you're going to do kind of thing. So here I am. So I had a good mentor in Brian Thorson, you know, to, you know, get me on the path to leadership in the ANA. Got involved at the state level. Brian was already then on to the national level. And, you know, from there, just got involved with committees and ran for the board and became president of the ANA for fiscal year 2014. And where are you at now, Dennis? I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I currently am a CRNA, staff CRNA, working in a same-day surgery center. The University of Minnesota, a couple years ago, built a freestanding ambulatory surgery center with their clinics in it. And so it's not the typical same-day you know, surgery center because it's university patients. So we you know, do a lot of ENT, urology. We do a lot of eye cases. Um, we actually had an eye patient a few weeks ago that had a alvad so you know most same day surgeries would never have even an alvad touch that <laughs> and so <laughs> even though jeremy's going i'm not real sure what that is uh, but i think it's bad exactly <laughs> so it's a good place a good spot i do you know i'm salaried i do four tens which is awesome. No yeah. nights, weekends, holidays. Oh, call nice. Well, if I can take another <clears throat> moment of personal privilege, I was Dennis's president-elect. And, you know, I think, Jeremy, you've heard us talk about the relationships that we form Absolutely. in this organization. And sometimes they are very unlikely friends. I mean, Dennis and I knew each other in passing and probably would... We would have spent some time together, but we wound up spending a year together, mm-hmm. kind of at the hip, and now we're great friends, Absolutely. and you know, it was bittersweet whenever he handed the gavel over to me, because all of a sudden, a man who had been in my life, probably more than my husband had been at that year and you know i'm i'm not a crier but this can make me tear up i mean it was there's a void whenever that relationship is is mm-hmm. gone and you know we were used to being on planes together though dennis is one of those that 
goes to the airport five minutes before they shut the doors, and I'm a two-hour before person. <laughs> I actually missed a flight uh. during my year one time. You know, the- but you get so incredibly close, and you know, I might not see him in a while, but then it's like there has been no time that yeah. has passed, and we're we're right back where you were. We are right back there yeah. in a little hotel room in Washington, and I'm putting my makeup on, and he's standing there changing his shirt because we've got to hurry to our next meeting. And you know, you build a pretty tight relationship mm-hmm. whenever it's like that. That's been a and reoccurring thing. <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. Actually, with you know the discussion this year about the region director bylaw and getting rid of the regions you know with its flaws that puts people together that necessarily wouldn't be together otherwise mm, very and good point i hadn't a, thought about that it was a really good example you know having you as president elect made me a better president because we were from completely different backgrounds mm-hmm. really and so it was a really good thing and you both talk a little different from each other as well mm-hmm. i mean well Exactly. Yeah. My son-in-law is from Iowa. <laughs> we always pick on yeah. Sharon, that, that southern draw. What, do you, what speed are you, 33? Yeah, 33 yeah. speed. Yeah. Only speed those who knew, uh, whoever used a record player understands <laughs> I think what all that of us means. could probably relate to yes. that. Yes. Right. So we're good. <laughs> Maybe some of our listeners couldn't. But. Maybe not. Well, Dennis, it seems like the ASA started your year off with a bang. They sure did. As you know, and as many people know, the ASA president coming in with me to match my term was Dr. Jane Fitch. And Dr. Fitch was also, before she became an anesthesiologist, she was a nurse anesthetist. So she has a lot to say about what she perceives as differences between nurse anesthetists and anesthesiologists. And as you can imagine, it's not flattering for nurse anesthesia. And so what we were dealing with when I came into office was the ASA had just put out a national PR campaign and the title of their campaign was called When Seconds Count. And as you can imagine, you know, they had anesthesiologists giving vignettes of, you know, when seconds count, you know, I came and saved the patient from this scenario or this scenario, which was very demeaning and very, um, I guess, you know, the position of the AANA was, why would you as a profession scare the public into thinking that there's some point in their anesthetic experience where they have to be rescued from another provider? That was the main issue that we had with their campaign. And it really was disingenuous and really, you know, not from our perspective, true in many cases. And a lot of, you know, nurse anesthetists would say, when seconds count, and you're in the operating room with a patient, the anesthesiologist isn't there. And the seconds that count require immediate intervention, and the immediate intervention is coming from a nurse anesthetist, not an anesthesiologist. So that was a big issue. And so immediately into my term, one of the first things we did was launch our own ANA PR effort. We hired the firm Fleischmann-Hillard, And so got the staff immediately engaged with them, you know, to counter the ASA, but in addition to promote CRNAs and really tell the story in 
truthful terms of what CRNAs do and the value we bring to healthcare through the excellent care we give. So a couple of things that the Fleischmann Hiller did was our campaign was called CRNAs, the future of anesthesia care today. And they produced a number of infographics that CRNAs could use either in their workplace with their administrators, with the public, with legislators, educators, that sort of thing to really tell our story, you know, in an infographic way that was clearly identifiable and that um, was easy to understand. We also launched a microsite called the future of anesthesia care today.com that we could direct people to, to get more information in more in depth ways. So this started in September and, and by November, we had a lot of these materials already in place and coming out for the community. And so the board immediately was like, yes, we need to do this. The staff was great in the way that they approached it and that they made it a priority and um, it was a successful campaign. So I'm proud of that as being president during that year. Well, let's talk about some of the things that happened during your year. Let's talk about MBCRNA and the summit. You accomplished a lot of things. So why don't you talk to us about that, Dennis? So I'm sure that NBCRNA has been a recurring theme in these segments with the presidents because they initially announced the CPC program in 2011 mm-hmm. in Boston. And did we say fireworks in Boston? <laughs> <laughs> it it really exploded. And um, to be honest, it it took the board then by surprise to some extent because mm-hmm. you know the feeling was that we had done a you know, a fairly good job about getting the information out, but, you know, the answer was clearly no. And so, um, again, I was 14, so there were three years, hence that introduction. At first I thought you meant you were 14 years (laughs) old. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We were a couple of the youngest. That would be a sharing comment, actually. Exactly. (laughs) And so um, we had already worked on rebuilding the relationship because the relationship between the AANA and NBCNRI completely broke down in that time. You know, the AANA members were up in arms over the fact that they thought they were going to have to retest. Mm. And if they didn't, they were, and that, you know, all of the other messaging fell away and it it became about, we're going to have to reboard was the terminology and we aren't, we're not going to have a career. We're not going to be able to financially support our families kind of thing. And, and I want to pause just for one say. I don't mean to interrupt you, but that that's so interesting to hear mm-hmm. you say that because I have been preaching this. You know, we did this series with Randy called, you know, what if, what if the ANA didn't exist? And I look at this organization, obviously, from a different viewpoint than you guys do and even your member CRNAs, and I see the fact that the only way to get folks who aren't involved involved is to make it personal. And what I just heard you say – was exactly what I think. NBCRNA made it personal. That's why people got emotional about it. Why? How am I going to feed my family? What if I don't pass this test? I can't be in this career. Mm. I've got all this time involved in this. School, student loan debt, that. You're right. That's right on. That's exactly what what You're right, and that didn't taste real good coming out of my mouth, but you are exactly right about that. Yeah, so... And so what oh, it what it did it kind of put the AANA in a position of, 
yes, we know we need to, you know, rebuild the relationship with NBCRN, but we have to be crystal clear with our members that we have their back and that we're going to advocate for them. You know, that's our focus. Right. So in the years working up to this, we were also dealing with the COA, the Council on Accreditation of Nurse Anesthesia Educational Programs, and we had renegotiated with them the recognition agreements that exist between the two organizations, and we knew that we had to do that with NBCRNA. Mm -hmm. So we were moving into that as well, trying to rebuild trust. I mean, we, we had to hire mediation people to come in and, you know, run the meetings. And where it went in my year was, in my year, where it went in the year that I was president was that the CE providers now were seeing the writing on the wall and they felt that they had been left out of the processes on how they were going to be able to continue to provide CE credits and meet the requirements of NBCRNA. And so in, they came to the AANA and said, you know, we're concerned, we think that we're being left out and we want a seat at the table. And so what transpired was in June of 2014, which was the tail end of my presidency, we decided to hold a recertification summit is what mm -hmm. we called it. Again, we had a facilitator. We brought the CE providers in. We had NBCRNA there. And that was not an easy thing to accomplish oh. because NBCRNA felt that they were going to be attacked. They didn't want to be in that position. They were still holding somewhat of the concept of, you know, we're in charge of recertification. We're all CRNAs. We're all ANA members. We don't understand what all the fuss is about. Right? Right. <laughs> and we just decided that we need to do this because... Put everybody in the same room. Exactly. Which was a wise thing to do, <laughs> Dennis. Yeah. yeah. Instead of somebody over here talking and somebody over here, Dennis said, nope, we're going to all be in the same room. And that's exactly what, what you did, right. which was a very wise mm -hmm. thing to do. But to go back to something you said earlier about somewhat of the surprise in the situation. And, you know, I wondered about that, too, because whenever we had the presentation, I was brand new on the board. I had come in in uh, 2010. So one year is still pretty brand new on the board. And we had the presentation in the board meeting from NBCRNA about the new credentialing program. And I tell people it was kind of like when you're almost hit by a car and your heart beats really fast and you get that cold feeling and then you realize I lived <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> so, I, you know, I had that, that feeling, I've got to take a test. Then it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I've got to take a test. But the difference is... What we were told is that we are at a leadership level, so we see things just a little bit differently. So we didn't necessarily think about the CRNA at the bedside because right. we are always at a 30,000-foot level, and that's what your board of directors is supposed to do because all of us felt really bad that we didn't see what the possibilities mm -hmm. or the fallout could be from that. But if you look back and you look at 
how CRNAs are built. We don't like change. Absolutely. You touch a, pl- a syringe on our plus cart, we lose our mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now we're going to change everything. But about you all love being told what to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You bring up a very, very good point. I mean, so, I'm married to one of you. Yeah, I get it. So. <laughs> there, there's there. There were a whole lot of moving parts to this, and then whenever you even look at what the makeup of NBCRNA is, the the kind of people that are attracted to that kind of thing. We do psychological testing of the board, right. which you took the test twice thinking it was going to change, and it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it got worse. <laughs> it's called Herman Brain Dominance. And, you know, we do that with all of our boards of directors, and you get a report about how your board people think and how you can work together. We do team analysis so that we can see strengths and weaknesses. For instance, they sat Dennis and I down, and he's very analytical because he's a numbers guy. I'm a very people person. I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. So they talked to us about the best ways for us to work together. together. Yeah. Yeah. And so the NBCRNA board is one particular type. So anyway. And one of the, I think one of the other things that we underestimated was by virtue of being on the board, we had been inoculated to the program because it wasn't like it was dropped, you know, out of an airplane and fell on us. Right. And so we really underestimated the fact that we had had some reassurances and, and not really directly. Right. I, it's, it's just, you know, we just had been introduced to it and it wasn't a big bam. And so we hadn't right. anticipated that on the membership. Yeah. Just a quick interruption on today's show for a special message from Jeremy and Sharon. Well, Sharon, you know, I think we have one more thing in common. Oh, my Lord. What is it this time, Jeremy? Well, you know, it's something that you've been involved with your whole career and supported your whole career. And as you know, I am now a trustee of the ANA Foundation. Well, congratulations. They couldn't have picked a better man. Well, thank you. Thank you. I hope I can add a little bit of value anyway. But as part of that... Beyond the Mask is trying to do our part and support the foundation as well. Absolutely, we should. Yeah. And the foundation is planning another great fundraising event, but unfortunately... Ah, uh, it's got to be virtual, I'm, I'm guessing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you, COVID. So uh, mm-hmm. no San Diego event this year, but we're planning, I think, a wonderful event for CRNAs and SRNAs and who can participate from their own home. Well, that should be fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun event. Uh, it's going to be online. We're going to have live and pre-recorded fun and content. There's going to be information, uh, recognition, and even education presented by CRNAs and SRNAs around the country. And I think Beyond the Mask might even provide some content. I believe so. And we're going to have a mystery guest with us in our virtual room. Hmm. I think people will find this mystery guest interesting. I, I think so. So how do you get a ticket, Jeremy? So you can go to the website, uh, www.aanafoundation.com. The event's going to be on Sunday, August the 16th. But since this is a virtual event, it's actually going to be recorded and the content's going to be available through August and September. But we're going to be live. We will be live. There's going to be several aspects of the event that will be live and some recorded. 
Um, I've never done anything like this before, so I'm excited. I am excited, too. Yeah. And so are you going to dress like a pirate? Ooh, that would be fun. What would you be? Uh, a winch, <laughs> for sure. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> so, um, I, I, Captain Stanley. Yeah. And, you know, tickets, obviously, this is a fundraiser for the foundation. Mm-hmm. So, the tickets for CRNAs are going to be $100 a piece, which okay. is a deal yes, to support the foundation. And for SRNAs, they're going to be $25 a piece. All right. So we just want to encourage our listeners to make sure you're supporting the ANA Foundation and all the great work the foundation does. Go out and buy a ticket. Show up on the 16th and participate with your other colleagues. We'll be there. Yes, we will. All right. Thanks, Jeremy and Sharon. Let's get back to today's show. But the summit was a great idea. Now, you held another summit during your year. The Diversity Summit. Why don't you give us a little bit of information about that? So in uh, my president-elect year, one of the things that you do is you go along with the president to D.C. And um, Janice Isler and I had attended HRSA, which is the Health Resources Services Administration, which is the government arm that funds the nurse anesthesia traineeship programs for our educational programs. And that year, the interim director i believe was her title was alexis bacos and during the conversation it was a good conversation and at one point she just you know we started how i don't know how we got on the subject exactly but she relayed an instance where she was i think at the black nurses meeting and several of the attendees came up to her and said asked her as somebody in a you know position within the government to influence nurse anesthesia education asked her what are you going to do about the white country club of nursing which is nurse anesthesia and she used those terms wow (laughs) (laughs) and so it struck a chord with me and so after that meeting i felt strongly that we needed to you know move forward in some aspect on that and so in my address to the members before i became president i listed that as one of the things that i was you know going to focus on and mentioned the summit as one of the things we were going to do prior to that though i went back to the board and we relooked at the core values of the aana and we did add diversity as a core value so that we had the basis to move on the issue So we held a diversity summit in April of 2014, and the keynote address was given by Jane Kirschling, and she is the Dean of the School of Nursing at the University of Maryland, and is also a prior president of the AACN. Um, We also had Lena Gould and John Bing as the diversity and nurse anesthesia mentorship representation. I mean, we just opened the conversation about what, you know, where we were, where where the country is, where the country's moving, where nursing is, where medicine is, and, you know, the focus of the government on, you know, there's all this research that shows health disparities among, you know, underrepresented minorities within the health system and the impact of how we need a culturally diverse workforce in and not just in terms of color but even you know like me as a white man i need to have cultural competency you know 
education to be able to deliver the health care to those populations better. Right. So I think that summit was was another success, and um, we moved the dial. And today we have a diversity and inclusion committee within the ANA, and so the and we also have the Goldie Brangman um, diversity and inclusion lecture at this meeting. And so, um, you know, we're moving the dial. We did a podcast um, that will air soon with Courtney Brown mm-hmm. about diversity and inclusion, yeah, and she had really a, she had a lot of good data. Well, it's that funny. She I, shared. I learned a whole lot from that as well. You know, being a white male, you don't think of things the same way that others do, and and that's one of the things that I'm realizing through all this is that I, I do think differently, and. You know, a black male probably thinks differently than me, and a white female. You know, we all think things differently because of who we are and our makeup. So it's it's good to know what everybody is bringing right. to the table. Well, she and talked I, a lot about <coughs> inclusion and making yeah. Yeah. people feel included because there's a difference between diversity and inclusion. Right. And she clarified that for us. It was very that, that enlightening. Was and yeah. I think when you strip it all back, and you know you focus on the patients that's what we're here for you know is to serve our patients the data is crystal clear in the research that shows that a culturally diverse inclusive workforce culturally competent workforce delivers better care and and so if we you know keep that in mind we'll keep moving on that yeah well, Dennis, tell us about some of the work you did uh, on the board regarding CEO compensation and evaluation you know, the board of directors of the ANA has the responsibility of one employee, and that's the CEO of the organization. And um, one of the things with Wanda's arrival at the ANA um, was we wanted to ensure that we were being fair to her and being fair to the association as well. And it, the way that we were doing the evaluations and, you know, setting compensation, it felt that we needed to move in a more process-oriented kind of policy-driven way and so we created a subgroup within the board structure called the ANA CEO Compensation and Evaluation Task Force or whatever we call it. We were so, so That's creative. original, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. Very creative. Yeah. And um, part of, you know, the CEO's concerns were that, you know, first-year board members were task with evaluating her and how really how much information did they have and knowledge to be able to do it effectively right um and so that was part of it the compensation piece was big you know we're we're a 30 million dollar organization and you know we knew we needed to be more professional in that respect and so we retained sullivan and cotter to do an analysis and report back to us and um I we think were doing way too many metrics yeah um, yeah and you know we are crnas we had set or i had not set it up but somebody smarter than i had but we found whenever we went out and got outside consultation we weren't doing as good a job as we needed to be doing so yeah and i would think that in an organization like this given the personalities of the members i would think you would want 
distinct metrics and this is how yes. it works and you know I think that's very important well we tie it to performance just like in healthcare, we're tied to performance pay is tied to performance absolutely so we wanted to tie performance to our CEO and part of the driver too was the previous CEO negotiated a golden parachute mm-hmm. that we felt we didn't want to get in that no. position again too yeah. so that right. was part of it as well Um, Well, you're a numbers guy. So another thing that you looked at was the reallocation bylaw amendment. Why don't you speak a little bit about that? So I think one of the strengths that I brought to the position that year was, again, my background, you know, having been in banking. um, I was treasurer the year before. And having, you know, Brian on the board and president and you know in a kind of a backseat position i had like years of you know ability to view the ana finances in a way that gave me some perspective i think that maybe somebody else went ahead um and so you know several i could don't remember what year it was but it was in the early 2000s the ana membership actually was very proactive in reorganizing and restructuring our dues um, as an organization and so we created the organizational health fund and the strategic reserve fund and we also heavily invested in our state associations from increasing the dues as well so my position was you know we at that time we had almost 10 million dollars in the strategic reserve fund and it was growing every year and the ANA as I was on the finance committee as a treasurer we were kind of struggling with you know the state that kind of portion of things was doing really well but we were struggling with how we were going to meet the demands and where how we were going to financially resource the programs that the members were demanding at the ANA level mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, it's time to relook at the way that we fund those, especially the SRF OHA mm-hmm. funds. And um, if you know the process determines that we think that there's a better way to do this, let's propose it as a bylaw change. So Juan Quintana, who was a board member, kind of led that effort from the board's perspective. Um, we engaged the SODC committee, the State Organizational Development Committee. <laughs> I can pull it out <laughs> of my head. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> and also the Finance Committee, the ANA, and um, they did a really good job of reaching out to members. They came up with a proposal, a new uh, like funding formula for that, that put more money in, but it also then reverted about a million dollars a year back to the ANA budget. So I think that was really a good thing that we did for the association and you created a formula along the way that can be used in the future you don't have to keep going back and re-looking at that issue it was a a formula that can be used going forward so and, and it's very other, insightful one other point that made that a wise or why we needed to look at it was because of the issues with you know the financing resources within the AANA, the AANA was going to the Strategic Reserve Fund and requesting funds from there. And there was this, this, there was a clear distinction in the membership that some people thought it was created for the benefit of the states and for the AANA to do that. They felt that that wasn't, wasn't the way we should be doing it, even though it said so in the originating documents. So we kind of, hopefully, that up. a little bit. 
<laughs> so tell us what do you think is the most valuable leadership lessons that you learned while you were president that you would like to share? I think, you know, it goes back to the values that you hold as a person. You know, you need to be honest, you need to be trustworthy, you need to be respectful. And in today's world, we're seeing that that's becoming harder and harder and harder for everyone. I think, too, I was a little, I don't know, I want to use the word naive. You know, I felt, and you, <laughs> Sharon's probably going to laugh, but there were a couple times on the board where I felt the board should clearly follow my lead. Because <laughs> I've got the gavel. <laughs> and, I don't have a vote, but I've and got I the gavel. And I underestimated that I needed to work, you know, work the board. That's the wrong. In know, coordination. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Involve the board to get them to the decision. Right. And that they just weren't going to do it because Dennis thought it was a fantastic idea. Right. Um, so... <laughs> we're laughing there's and sh- backstories and, and actually because of the relationship that i had developed with sharon and because of her personality she was able to help me a lot with that issue so we were a good team we were a good team i miss you all the time so what would you like to tell new crnas that are coming into this profession well i think the, the foremost thing is that nurse anesthesia as a profession will provide them with blessings, I guess is the word I want to use, that they would never ever expect, you know, financial security, a level of respect, even though that is an issue too, um, but it's there. Um, And then secondly, the AANA is something that they absolutely need to support. The professional association that we have has gotten us to where we are today. And, um, you know, 55,000 nurse anesthetists, obviously they can't all be intimately involved with the ANA, but I think we've got to figure out how to get the message out there that without them as members, the ANA cannot continue to function and do what the ANA has done for us in the past. And so we have got to stay involved. They need to be involved at a minimum, you know, pay your dues, give some money to PAC and foundation, we can all do that. Absolutely. Uh, and then figure out a way to give back. You know, it doesn't have to be association business. Figure out something. Teach. Do a, you know. Mentor. Mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. You know, service trips overseas, whatever. Absolutely. Dennis, if there was uh, any other profession you could do at this point, anything you could do, what, what would that be? Well, I... <laughs> Did I you mean, like you've done a, so you've done several. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Dennis. Let me put this here. What do you want to do before you die? <laughs> I want to retire. There you go. <laughs> He's going to take up the retirement exactly. profession. <laughs> so you guys have a, a retirement. You've already planned your retirement in Wisconsin to some degree. That's my idea. So do y'all have like a place on the lake or or so we found a place up there um it's called voyager village it's a it's a community so some since we're in chicago some chicagoans back in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. you know bought up about six thousand acres up there and there's a clubhouse golf course where i'm not much of a golfer but we live on the 18th tee we like it because it's we have a fountain in our backyard that the <laughs> golf course takes care of and 
on a pond. We have a pontoon, and it's nice. absolutely stunningly gorgeous. Wow, you know? how far is it from Hudson, where my daughter lives? Two hours. Two hours. Well, I hmm. might come and visit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> absolutely, anytime. Uh, We'd have plenty to talk about. That mm-hmm. sounds like it. He okay. taught me how to drink peppermint patties. Oh, I know exactly what a peppermint patty is. I didn't know what it yeah. was. Dennis got me We my make first. them at Christmas every yes, year. Yes, he got yeah. me my first peppermint patty. <laughs> well, Dennis, this has been wonderful. Anything you want to conclude on or any anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up here? Oh, just thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity, and it's been fun. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, Sharon, I think, I think it's a wrap. Yes. So we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you're a fan, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us and leave us a review. It helps new listeners find us, but only positive ratings, please. (laughs) And please share episodes on social media to get the word out. It's a wrap. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, president of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and president and founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you'd like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. 
Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.